guess it's time to start. I moved the clock up to, <laughs> to 7.02, and uh, I think it's on the Eastern time zone now. It's what it said. It put E by it, so, and it just went up there automatically. It did, huh? So I wonder if it had something to do with the time change, and it didn't. No. No? No, it couldn't have done that. I don't know. Well, thank you guys for coming out in uh, 212 degree temperature today. <laughs> uh, let's see. We are in First Thessalonians 4, and uh, the context in the section tonight in verses 9 through 12 is really, it's all set back in verse 3, where he said, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then it was dealing with uh, uh, purity and such. And so God is saying, okay, I want your... to. This is my will. I want your sanctification. God wants us to be holy, right? He wants us to be set apart. So that is the section that starts off the last section, really. And everything is going to fall into place from that. Um, from verse 3 all the way to the end of chapter 5. And so it's about sanctification. One is, is purity. Um, God's will is that we be sanctified and, and be pure. And then the next category is in 9 through 12, which is where we're at tonight. And it's, it's basically just simple duties of life. Um, and it's just, it's just living the Word. It's just, just basic principles. Uh, of course, you have that um, one text where it, it deals with a 9 and 10, dealing with um, uh, love, a brotherly kind of love and excelling more on that and then leading a quiet life and attending to your own business and working with your hands um, and behaving properly towards outsiders. So that's really what he's doing as he goes through the rest of uh, this book, this epistle. He gets to where he was heading for and so he says, work with your hands, be quiet, don't be a busybody, very practical things. And so the next question would be, well, why? Because he's already said these guys are doing real good, right? The first couple of chapters really, in uh, I think, emphasize that. But there's a flow of the text, and it's a text that we haven't gotten to yet. And it starts with in verse 13, and they're on dealing with Christ coming back. It's dealing with the rapture. So the flow is, as we look at the next subject this rapture of the church, um, he's going to speak an entire chapter about the return of Christ. And even in 2 Thessalonians, that's what all that letter is about, dealing with the return of Christ, the second coming, and uh, that kind of timing. And so they're really enthusiastic about Christ coming back, which all Christians are. And so he writes a lot of material to kind of sort now sort out what they understood because they had some error in their thinking. They were really disturbed, and that's why he writes chapter four because some were told that um, Jesus had already come back, and uh, that would be disturbing because I just missed the rapture. <laughs> you know, um, they were they were anticipating. His coming, so all this excitement, the enthusiasm. And of course, you can imagine the extremes that can come out of this. And it's like, hey, Jesus is coming back. Why bother with all these worldly issues? Who cares? So get up on your get on your pajamas, go up on the roof top and just wait. You know, he's coming back. I don't have to worry about anything around here. Uh, so that's easy. He'll be here soon. And so that is some of the thinking that happened because a lot of them probably uh, quit their jobs and sold everything and just uh, uh, went up on a hill and waited for Christ to come. Um, at least we, we hear some of that. There was a guy by the name of Hippolytus. He was from Rome and he wrote a commentary on the book of Daniel. And he talks about this guy Pontius at uh, around the 3rd century. He was a bishop. And... Um, he announced that Jesus would be coming back uh, at the end of the year. And so everybody gets all excited and gets crazy about it. 
and so people sell their property. That's the first thing they start doing, just selling everything, you know, quitting doing what they're doing. They become absolutely destitute as they wait for Jesus, and now they don't have anything, and uh, they're they're getting hungry, and uh, so they shirk all the responsibilities at for Christ coming back, and uh, they dependent on other people to sustain them because they they quit their jobs and quit every. Thing as far as income coming in because they were so sure Christ is coming back. Of course, um, that is not too different than what you've heard like uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, he was supposed to come back in 1917. We didn't come back. So they said, whoops, we, we missed it. We miscalculated. So they said, 1927. Well, he did come back then. Then I think the next one was like 1935, 1944. You know, they just kept bumping it up. And, of course, I know Bob will remember in 1988, there was a little book out called 88 Reasons Why. Do you remember that one? Well, you act like you don't. Yeah, yeah. well, he had all sorts of reasons, 88, for the year of 88. And he was so sure that he gave the exact datum. That wasn't Jehovah's Witness, though. He wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, he would be considered to be... I don't know if you could say mainline Christianity, but it, he wasn't in a cult. And I can't even think of his name now. It was It's remained in my head for a long time. No, it was a, kind of an interesting sounding name. I, I can't even remember. I'm sorry about that. I should have... I just now thought of it as I was thinking about it. But, uh, and of course, there have been all sorts of other people name, if not D-date, they would be within a certain month he's going to come back on the Feast of Trumpets this particular year or somewhere in that area and goes on and on and of course we know that nobody knows yes we're given signs and I, I, I tend to like to think that he's coming back and very soon and because the song says that soon and very soon we're going to see the king <laughs> been singing that one uh, since the 80's I think Andre Crouch did that one didn't he he probably was doing that back in the 70s, 60s. Edgar... Ah, oh, Wisnett. That's it, that's it. All you had to do is say the first name. Edgar Wisnett. 88 reasons why. So, uh, hey, those things can bail you out. Boy, boom, just like that. Huh? <laughs> I need to have one here all the time. Uh, uh, let me think here. Uh, uh, oh, Edgar Wisnett. Yeah, it came to Did somebody else Oh. That, and then he kept changing it and updating it. I think he went through three or four different predictions and then finally stopped doing that. How close did Van Impey come to that? I don't know if he ever named a date, <laughs> but I used to watch you know, quite a bit of him yeah. way back in the, those days. Yeah. And, of course, he had a lot of books. But it, it was almost like he, he wouldn't... He knew better than to give the date, but it was like he would give a kind of an area when it would be almost get you, you know, really thinking. And anyway, got to be careful about that. That's and that's what happened with with these guys here. And they have a total misunderstanding. They're very disturbed. They're did running they, around with their heads cut off. Did the uh, what's that one denomination? Was it Worldwide Church of God? Oh, yeah, they, they did the Plain Truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jack, uh, 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 not Jack, Armstrong. but Armstrong. Did they mm -hmm. kind of predict? Really close to it. I'm, I got a feeling they probably did. And he came from kind of like a Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness background. Yeah. And, of course, they really were hitting on the, the prophecy in. Mm -hmm. Not that prophecy is bad, but... It can be overdone, yeah, and, and there's still ministries, so to speak, that are emphasize that new tours. What's that? Exactly. I think my husband still has his book. Armstrong. 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 Yeah. 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 It seems like once a year we'll get a flyer in the mail, really nice color slip flyer oh. of a seminar that's going to be here in town about prophecy. You know, you know who that is? That's Seventh Day Adventist. Is it? They are really slick. You're right. Really pretty looking stuff oh, they man, have there. They, they, uh, <laughs> they're modern. So, so you get those too, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
actually went all, to all over the city. You know, they blanket the city with it. Mailer. Sure do. I think they get a pretty good crowd at first. Oh. They do that. They meet at a, like a what used to be hotel. Ramada Inn or other places like that, different different yeah. hotels. And they do that. They lure you there. And then after they've done it a few weeks, then it's funny. It, it would move and they'd finally expose who they were. They'd move over to a Seventh-day Adventist church then mm. in town. And uh, but I had Carolyn and I went to that when we were really really hungry. Always are hungry for the word. But yeah. this is after we had just really got turned on to God's word, and uh, we went to one of those. And uh, guy came in there, and he had white suit, just <laughs> white everything, white shoes, and the whole works. Oh, man. <laughs> that was kind of scary. White hair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I was kind of one or the other way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they're still doing those. They, and they, they probably do the same thing they're that they have done for years. So I guess that was probably very early 80s whenever we first got introduced to that. Went to one. I don't know if we went to a second one. That was probably about it. Yeah. Debbie, do you remember that 88 Reasons Why? Do you remember that? No? No, you don't remember either? Okay, enough, enough of that. Don't want to glorify 88. Edgar, Edgar Wisenant. Edgar Winter, I was about ready to say. <laughs> There's another guy with white hair. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, that, that kind of sets us up for uh, where we're at, and it sets us up for really the, the next time, uh, the next section. Um, because And this is why this context is rolling in. This is why we, we would have this section 9 through 12. Um, so anyway, let's have a have a word with the Lord. Father, we thank you for uh, you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for guidance in your your word, and uh, that we can uh, understand uh, who you are and what you have for us. And in this case, very practical teaching stuff that all Christians know. But at the same time, it's good to be reminded. And at the same time, this, these are the things we are to be doing as we wait for the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we'll look at the first one is a brotherly love. As we're on this topic now, this kind of a new subject as he changes, even though it's still dealing with this is the will of God. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. So he could just stop there, right? Okay, you already you don't need anybody to tell you. Never mind. Scratch it all. Let's move on. Uh, Right. For you yourselves are taught by God. To love one another. Well, good enough. They're taught by God. Why do they need to be taught? For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. And then he comes back and says, But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He's already said that in um, verse 1. Walk and please God that you excel still more. Walking, please, that you would excel. So we, we're not at the apex of our walks, are we? He says, e- keep getting better. Keep getting better. Yeah. Have you guys noticed that? Second Corinthians and Thessalonians, yeah. even though they're two different kind of characteristics going on in these churches, he's saying the same stuff, isn't he? Might say it in a little bit different way, but it's basically that right there is. I think I'm trying to remember where the text is. Bob's going to find it. I think you just just covered it this last. Yeah, it's been real, real recent there. Like two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. That's 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 it. So he says now, as to the love of the brethren, the reason he says that now, have a new subject. It was dealing with purity and. God's will on that. Now, it's it's this. Love of the brethren. The word there for love of the brethren is a pretty simple one to, to get at. As soon as I say it, you'll go, oh yeah, you already know what this one is whenever I say it. Philadelphia. Brotherly love, right? Yeah. Um, philos uh, is a friendship type love. Uh, a deep affection, a close friendship. Uh, the other part of that is Adelphos, which is Brotherly, right? Brotherly love. Um, so it's 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 a love for the the brethren. 
love of the brethren. And so the NAS has, uh, I think, accurately translated this now as to the love of the brethren, or Philadelphia. Regardless of personality, regardless of difference and culture and conflicts, all believers are bound together in warmth and concern for each other. And, uh, of course, that's what fellowships do. They, they breed that kind of thing. It's a place to be comfortable in, isn't it? And that certainly is true. Oneness and mind in the Lord Christ. Think of uh, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, and so and so forth. But that's that's the idea here. So then Paul says, don't really need to write to you about this. I don't really need to remind you. But he does anyway. <laughs> Um, because he says here, for you yourselves are taught by God. Your God, your God taught. In, in the Greek, it's this Theo, and what is Theo? God, right? And didaskalos is to teach. Uh, Theo didaktas is God taught. They're taught by God, God Himself. Uh, of course, they're taught by the Father and whenever you see the Son, uh, Christ, and then the Holy Spirit who indwells us. That's how we uh, know about love. It's deeper than any kind of human language that could even stress. Uh, God speaks to the believer's heart. Yes, we know it through the Word, but He also speaks through us. And of course, that's the kind of thing that He says, taught by God. I think of Romans 5.5, 5, I love this. This is what happens to Christians. Regardless of how far short we may fall about what love is, here's what happened to us, and uh, it's continued to do that. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So every Christian, if they're really true Christians, they have this just poured out, taking a container and just pouring that in there. And He's constantly doing that. It's all, he's always doing that, pouring the love in. We uh, have the love of God. First John chapter two. First John, you you get uh, the test. Christian, of course, one of them is about love for the brethren. First John two nine and ten. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So contrast. The one who is not a Christian hates his brother. He's in the darkness. The other one is in the light. And he does love his brother. So it's either one or the other, right? And that's what John really distinguishes there. And they're talking about Christian brother, right? I mean, they're exactly. Yeah, yeah. Other Christians. Right. Right. Of course, it reaches out further, but yeah, that's what he's really hitting at there. Exactly. So he says, uh, taught by God to love one another. Now he used love of the brethren. That was Philadelphia. And in this one, guess what this one might be? Ah, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> that's good. That That's the one that is just a natural. A storge is a natural kind of love. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Bet you got the one that on the, the the theology systematic theology is that where you got that one at? No. Okay. We were just talking about that. Storgate, really? Oh, cool. No, I mean when you we were talking about that. Oh. Love. Okay. Love in a family. Love in blood. 
relatives, love, natural love. Yeah, natural. In this case, it is agape. It's sacrificial love, and it's and it has to be supernatural because it's a love that reaches to the unlovable. That's what this does. The ones who are unlovely, the ones who are unlovable. Uh, how about the enemies? And of course, Christ said that. But I say to you, love your enemies. Wow. Well, he really made that clear. So there, he says, you're taught by God to love one another. And so the real reason why Christians can love one another is because it's been poured out in us. It's really God's love just kind of working through us as as instruments. He works it in and we work it out. Hmm. Fruit of the Spirit. Love. That's right. Joy, Peter. Yeah, it all starts off with love, doesn't it? So how often do we see this word? Constantly. Okay, I think we got verse nine. Let's try ten. And so he and to the Thessalonians, he's just been bragging up and bragging up. But of course, as we get in here, you know, he's still saying, "Okay, I want you to do more." But he okay, and he goes back and past tense here. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, Thessalonica, that area, and not only in Thessalonica, but all the other places. They do practice that. That would be good to go back to Acts 16. And that That's the Thessalonica chapter. Paul started the church. Acts 16, 9-12. Vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing, appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We look at it in hindsight and we go, Well, yes, that's a perfect place to go. There's going to be a neat church established there. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. So those are some areas where there was love of the brethren that not only was Thessalonica, but we see this this whole area. And it mentions uh, like Philippi. So, and, and there, you know, we run into uh, Lydia. Of course, the uh, church was wound up being established there, and they're, they're imprisoned. And uh, the Philippian jailer is saved. Then you get into chapter 17, and that's the story of Thessalonica. I think I said 16 while ago, but it's actually 17. But you can see what set that all up as they get love for the brethren and all that whole. Whole area. So you know, there must have there were churches that were started from Thessalonica that had to go out into outlying areas. You know, like little towns like Westphalia and Taos and Wardsville, right? And uh, that's that's how it spreads. But First uh, Thessalonians one eight. A little bit of history on uh, Thessalonian church. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. I mean, it's sounding forth, and that means to trumpet out, to trumpet it loudly. And but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. And so, but you know, he does. He keeps saying, "I don't have any need to say it," but <laughs> here it is. Here it is. So they were they were living examples of how Christians love each other. It was, it was obvious. Everybody saw that. It's an expression of love. So and then he says, "Excel still more." Okay, you're doing it, but you're you're still short. <laughs> I want you to excel still more, as he uses here to to abound to to go over. That's what I think we had said before. What excel means to 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 abound to exceed to go over. No matter how much we love, due to the nature of love that's put into us to be able to do it, Paul's saying there's always room for improvement. Almost said jello. 
<laughs> uh, you'd have to be in. Well, how far did that go back? Sorry. I remember those better than I do rooms. <laughs> okay. Jello. Audrey's shaking her head. Anyway. Always room for improvement. We. What 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 do we have in five fifteen? I have that reference there. Does it make sense? Well, the King James anyway says, "See that not render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men." So I was wondering if that was the, the verse that you took that from, or if it was. Yeah, it's always seek that which is good for one another. You know, oh. it's kind of going along with the theme seeking more. Uh, more that that whatever's good, you you want it for uh, another person, is the idea there. Yeah. And, and of course, he's saying don't repay evil for evil. And then he comes out and says, hey, instead of paying them evil, what do you do? Pay pay them good. <laughs> you know that's excelling, isn't it? And there again, it'll be love your enemies. Christianity really goes against the grain. Okay. Is that does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Audrey. So, we can be... We're all taught of God. All Christians are taught of God what real love is. Um, we need reminders, though. And that's why you see it all... I've got a feeling you're probably going to see it in every epistle. <laughs> Constantly, right? We know we are to do that. We We do do it but we still need biblical instruction on it, dealing with the forces that are in our own selves because we tend to forget Scripture and do something different than what we should be. We don't always love as we should, do we? Of course not. We fall short. But he says excel still more. So, brotherly love. Does that make sense? But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Verse 11, to make your ambition to lead a quiet life. That's the next one. To lead a quiet life. So as they're waiting for Christ to come back, and of course, that's what, this is where He's leading to. When we get into verse 13, it's, it starts talking about the, the coming of Christ, second coming. And all of these things are what we're supposed to be practicing. Pleasing God, walking, uh, the will of God is that we'd be sanctified, that we'd love the brothers, that we'd lead a quiet life. So, what might have been happening as they were anticipating Christ's return any hour, um, there were some members probably overtaken by this so much and now had a maybe an undisciplined living. Um, there's certain exhortations as we look at here that uh, evidently maybe some of them were uh, disturbing other people. And so there's kind of a change in uh, emphasis in, in one sense. This is still, I think, a responsibility to excel in love, as he's already mentioned. And, and I believe what probably happened is that some of the Thessalonians who might have quit their jobs, who might have uh, didn't have any income coming in, maybe took advantage of the Christians in the church who are supposed to help people out. And because of the liberality that they had, they just kind of took advantage of that situation. That's what um, some of the commentaries bring forth. Lightfoot wrote about that. And financial uh, help and just, just having support from others, and they didn't do anything. <laughs> and um, here, it's maybe maybe they would be quite loud about it. I'll kind of explain that in a moment. But um, I remember um, Kerry Livgren, who used to be with Kansas. He wrote most of their songs. Tremendous guitar player. 
just awesome. And of course, back in the 70s, that was at one time the leading touring band and even album sales for quite some time, Kansas was. And Livgren wasn't a Christian for a big part of the time. He wrote Dust in the Wind, for instance. Of course, you look at that now, and there, uh, it, it could definitely be a Christian song talking about Romans, the first three chapters. <laughs> All we are is dust in the wind. You know, there's no man good. But that's what he saw. You know, he saw that, but he didn't have the answer to it. And uh, of course, I've said this many times, but he said he uh, he kind of like joined different kind of religions from month to month. He said it was like a religion of the month club. <laughs> And uh, just he was seeking, and he couldn't find anything until uh, Christ showed Himself to him, and uh, through the through the Word. Whenever he became a Christian, he uh, started writing songs that were shifting to what the truth is. Uh, most of the rest of the guys in Kansas didn't like what he was doing, even though he was the main songwriter of the group. Uh, his songs were too Christian oriented, and uh, he, was there was, he was answering all the songs from years before, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, he got the answer to yeah, what he had been writing about. Tremendous writer. I mean, uh, I think of some of those albums, and they are number one gold, I mean, you know, songs for America and such. And as you can tell, it was definitely one of my favorite groups. High on the list, if not one, right at number two or three. But um, moving on with that, it's kind of interesting. There was a bass player there by the name of Dave Hope. And, uh, of course, Hope lived like he had no hope. And, he, you know, of course, playing bass, and he'd always have this. I remember these. I, I went to many of their concerts. And he, had, he would put a cigarette up there at, on his, uh, at the top, uh, on the peg of his yeah. you know, guitar. And it's just kind of funny that there it was all the time. You'd always notice that, you know. <laughs> and he'd be taking a cigarette whenever he could hit a note, you know. And it makes you wonder sometimes if it was more than just a cigarette. Well, yeah, yeah, he did do dope and everything. And I think he probably came close to death, if, if not suicidal in, in some degrees. Um, but he later became a Christian. And those two then formed a Christian band, went around... They wrote a bunch of songs. What's that? AD. Yeah, AD. AD. That was the name of it. Tremendous songs. Awesome. And then they uh, they brought in a couple of brothers who were fantastic singers. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then that drummer, I've got him as a Facebook friend. Oh, really? Yeah. You got him on Facebook, so he's still around. Well, he, uh, of course, he, they put out a few albums, really good. And next thing I know, he, of course, they were trying to do some concerts in a lot of areas. You go from number one in the world, you know, to you're playing Christian concerts. Nobody knows who these guys are, and they might have twenty or thirty people out in the crowd sometimes. And they don't have the big sound that they had, all the lights and stuff that Kansas was. There they are playing little churches, little venues, some outdoor things, and nobody's there. And whenever they are, you know, it's boy, it's, it it just it didn't really go over that good. But Carrie Livgren, who had written those songs, said he he really didn't have anything more to write about. That's what always got me. There's plenty to write about that's in here, but he said he had kind of did it all as far as what he knew to write. And so he, he went to Georgia and lived on a farm and he had read this passage. It says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. And so that's what he did. He went out on a farm and had livestock and did all that. Now can you imagine that? <laughs> From where you know what he had done, and now doing this, but that impressed upon him. Now, that later on he started, he came back and played some more music, and um, has recorded more. He uh, didn't he have a stroke or something too, though? Or, uh, Either that or ca- some kind of cancer, yeah, or maybe a stroke. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, something serious, but but anyway, yeah. And he was even in a Christian movie. 
Um, imposter. Yeah, the imposter. Yeah, he, he was a good guy on there. The guy that was the imposter was the guy out of DC Talk. <laughs> that story could have been very close to <laughs> his, his life. Yeah. Uh, maybe too close, right? Anyway, enough of that. But that's what grabbed me because I, I remember whenever he said that, I said, that's interesting. And so he gave up that fast life that he lived and it, he was happy at doing that. Um, and so it, he was just showing that, you know, there was a change in his life in, in the sense he just wanted to, to be quiet, to live tranquil life here and to work with his hands, which uh, he did. But I always thought he worked with his hands on the guitar really good too. <laughs> but... Um, Anyway, ambition is an interesting word. It's dealing with being zealous, to really strive eagerly. So he says, um, make it your ambition to be very zealous, to strive eagerly. To love honor is really the idea. It's philo timiomai. Philo, love, timi is dealing with honor, to love honor, to really love that. It's kind of a play on the word Philadelphia, probably. And uh, so he says, make your ambition to lead a quiet life. Uh, quiet deals with rest, deals with being peaceable, to, to settle down. Quiet in the sense of restfulness, that sense, uh, rather than opposed to talkativeness. You know, just always talking, always busy, that kind of thing. Um, being settled. Uh, undisturbed, not noisy. While the opposite means, you know, being noisy. So he's he's telling them, don't be so frantic. You know, be less exuberant in in what they were doing. That's not saying don't be excited about the things of the Lord, but uh, he says, uh, make it your ambition. You're really striving eagerly to lead a quiet. Life, being at peace, being at peace with God, being at peace with yourself, being at peace with with God, being at peace with your your brethren. Settling, settling your heart is, what, mm-hmm. is the uh, really the idea there. Quietness is so that God can speak to you. Yeah, you know, by being settled and being uh, what's the word being satisfied, then that's where you that's where you yeah. that's where you'll be able to hear him and talk with you and work through things. Allowing him to speak to you, you know, being quiet at that. Um, matter of fact, what's the scripture? Be still and know that I am God. You know, listen to me, right? And isn't it the world's inclination, at least now, and maybe it always has been, the rat race, the terms come from somewhere, we're always. Huh. Expected to pursue and pursue and pursue. Yeah, competitive. Well, they competitive. they even give us now instead of just like being quiet at night, they give you other noises to listen to, like <laughs> white noises and all that. It, what it is, is it's to keep your mind busy. Huh. Have you seen that commercial where the the couple is camping out? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everybody yeah. seen that. So they, they couldn't. They couldn't stand the the quiet yeah. of the, quiet. and you'd hear the the so crickets and whatever. The city noises that they have. They, they felt like yeah. they fall asleep when they put. She had it on her phone. All the noises from back in the city, the beeping of the horns and everything. And they're out. Sleeping. And then they could sleep. And then, and then they're snoring away <laughs> with that playing. Once the clamor was there, they they got got to sleep. Well, what kind of it is is to leave you then you you're quiet enough. It's letting God to God speak to you. Was that a, remember uh, Charles Stanley was really good on prayer. He gave a, a series on that way back in uh, in the eighties. And you know, prayer is hard. I mean, it's hard work. I mean, it, it's sitting in the quiet. Because you're thinking all the things that God has done, and you know you come out, and then all of a sudden it's like you, you run out of things to pray for and people to pray for and whatever. If you're going that, if you can go that long, and it's well even hard to, to go that long where you actually run out. Everyone, but you have to think, you have to dwell on that. But 
but he s- said what the really hardest part is is listening to God just and it's not having have such an open mind where anything and everything can come in we have to have a screen door right but it's pondering and thinking on the Lord and then hear, being able to hear him in that voice that is not audible but being able to hear him have, have you heard him teach on that I think he, it's kind of one of his big um, things that he's taught on he, well no not specifically on prayer but I just know he's real good and you know, big in, you know into prayer and preaching on prayer but um, th- these sort of this theme we're going over tonight it reminds me speaking of musical things is um, you know Kelly Willard's music to me is very settling and very you know restful and, and uh, very good very good devotional you know type music that gets you thinking yeah. you know, right about your relationship with God and, and seeking him out and all those things and then there's and, and then there, there's a song by Larnell Harris that always comes to mind I miss my time with you that you know it's like God uh. speaking to each one of us you know saying I miss my time with you you know you need to come and be with me you know it's like God appealing to us and I just love that song it's like, it helps to remind me to try to do that yeah I forgot all about that song that was a but huge hit that he had yeah. that's back in yeah, the 80s again I think I, wouldn't you say that's 80s too it's probably corny to them but you know, they would hear it better Uh huh. Yeah. He is still doing it. Is Remember that uh, kind of a living room type oh, sessions that yeah, they have on the, on the Gaither, internet. The Gaither hour. Or it's, it's not even a, a Gaither. It's by somebody oh. else. It was oh. uh, they had different people on there. Okay. Phil Keggy did one, and yeah. just one after another. Cool. But Kelly Willard, I yeah, I forgot about her. <laughs> Do you ever heard of her? Really peaceful. <laughs> we all have the new time saving devices and still your clients <laughs> or the bosses. There's no time saving. They just expect you to have more time for, for whatever they want you to do. Hmm. Or you expect it from yourself. Or, or do you try to, because you're supposed to have more time, you, cr- you keep crumbling, putting more and more things, cramming more things together. Yes. I think we I think we keep making calls more and more that we should do then more things. We should get that more done. You know, that driven, driven, uh, it's a good thing to be driven on, you know, most things in life. It is good. But there's also a point that driving you can drive you right where you're so unhappy is because you have not taken time to that's called balance. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, and it's speaking for moms for years and stuff. It's very hard for women to have that quiet. Trying to reach that ultimate balance. That balance kind of defines everything that we do, doesn't it? Christian, a true Christian life is having balance. That's really what Paul's talking about in all these commands here. It's balance and everything. Because you could take this and say. Well, I just want to be quiet, and you're quiet all the and time. Get, and then you have one of those con- contemplative yeah. people that just goes hum. They, yeah, they stare or, at their belly button. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, yeah, <laughs> or or become a recluse. That's the extreme side of it all, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I can't be alone with myself for very long. I gotta be around people. <laughs> yeah, we do. We you know, makes it's, that. It's like I'd probably go crazy in a deserted island. Probably what was happening here that rather than getting their time and quiet time with the Lord, they might have been going from house to house, jumping from one place to another, you know, having some kind of self seeking ambition. 
being the spiritual king of the mountain, you know what I mean? They run from one person to another and uh, they go in the church and they, they're gaining influence on them and uh, tearing down others and self-promoting and that kind of thing. It's a self-seeking ambition. Or uh, another way, of, we're trying to figure out why. what are some of these things that why Paul says these things to lead a quiet life and, and attend your own business and such. Um, they're anticipating the coming of the Lord also so they have an imbalanced excitement an expectation of the Lord returning and guess what and, and of course I don't think it can really be done today very much where people say um, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good well usually that's not the case here It's otherwise, people are not heavenly minded not eternal minded but it could be where all that one ever thinks about is and never to be vital to the kingdom of God here on earth, uh, just um, so driven by prophecy that uh, and, and to be convinced that Christ is going to come back now. Yeah. Um, well, I think where that uh, being so heavenly minded that you know earth of good can apply for uh, those of us who sometimes we, we just want to run with an idea about you know a ministry or something like that and just go 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 and then all of a sudden we're neglecting things that we should be right with and, you know, so the balance gets imbalanced again that in that way I think that's a key word in all these isn't it to me it is yeah because you could go to extreme either way on this yeah. but yeah, anyway, certain people probably were uh, interfering in certain people's lives, maybe creating havoc in, in the body of Christ. So that's why he would mention that, uh, lead a quiet life. Uh, Tend to your own businesses there is found in verse 11. kind of goes along with this other stuff. It's, it's Literally, it means to practice your own. Uh, prosso, to do practice, to be engaged in, to you know, to achieve, uh, accomplish, uh, perform, attend to your own business, accomplish your own business, do your uh, your thing there. Well, like if the, if the say the women are you know wives and mothers and stuff like that, and they're getting together quite often, and you know just to uh, I don't know. Have uh, crisis coming back parties <laughs> and forgetting about their duties at home. You know, I, I'm using kind of an extreme, but you know, as right. a way of saying, you know, that could be one way of why he's exhorting them to be you know, sure, keep, keep doing their work, keep steady with it. <coughs> you know, it's we don't have to change what we're doing. We just need to. Love each other more and and anticipate Christ. And, and so I use that because you know women when they get together they, they well they can work and chat at the same time they're really good at that I should say but you know, they got quilting bees or something like that but um, you know and then men they sit around at the gate you know and be talking about it all day and forget their Right. You know, obligations or whatever. Exactly. And say, well, I don't have to get that done now because he's coming, he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. The wife said, the wife said, said I'm doing it. Oh. Yeah. 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 He's at the gate. Where's she didn't she have a cell phone yeah. to text him. <laughs> you know, like it happens to me yeah. every time I'm in the car. Are you home yet? <laughs> Are you home yet? And I can't text back because I can't drive and text. There's got to be a way that you can text by talking. Well, there is. <laughs> is there? Okay. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm not real good at that. But I'm trying to do better. Anyway. Uh, well, Colossians 3.22 is is really kind of speaking um, along, along these lines here. Uh, and it's kind of interesting that he says slaves here because much of the population was slaves. Slaves are getting to think that, huh, I'm free in Christ. 
I can be set free and Christ is coming back anyway. Why should I be doing all this work for these guys that are uh, free? So he says, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as though who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So he says, do your work heartily as for the Lord. Whatever you do, it's to be living for the glory of God. And uh, so... You know, go from one one extreme uh, noisiness to the other extreme, where one can isolate themselves. And he says, you know, there's a there's a happy medium that is to be achieved. So when he says, mind your own business, that's a thought. Somebody could take that literally and said, oh, I'm not going to get in any kind of business or anybody's business. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's about people who uh, wouldn't work, which the Thessalonians did have that problem. That's what he writes in the second letter. He says, and evidently that's what was happening probably uh, earlier on when he wrote the first letter. Uh, 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. So there must have been some lazy bombs in the church there. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Now guess what? That is to the Thessalonians. This really good church. One of the be- it's it's a great model for the church. But yet it shows you there is no perfect church. And so they had some that were you know, hey, they gave up their jobs, Christ is coming back and that that's the whole context of second Thessalonians anyway. And uh, so they they were depending on others to get the food and Hey, whatever you know, they they sold all their stuff, gave it all up. So, in verse uh, twelve, in that same thread, there it says, uh, "Now such persons we command, encourage the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living." So, you know that. Eat your own bread. Do your work quietly and earn your own living. So he's he's having to say it again. He wrote another letter, and he says, even when we were with you before you were doing this, he writes First Thessalonians. He's pretty cool about it, but it's obvious. Now he's writing Second Thessalonians, and he's still <laughs> having to say it. Then, yeah, there it is. That's right. Exactly. And it's a great church. It's about a, the best example of a church that you'll find in the New Testament. But this is why he's saying excel still more and such. Well, I think they were probably living for your best life coming, <laughs> which could be an extreme too, I guess. Maybe they weren't facing as much persecution at that time. Well, I actually I believe they they still were because even when he when he left that's why persecution but it did come upon them as we look at this letter we see that that did happen okay. and uh, of course I just wondered how they uh, how they would even have idle time if that were going on heavy yeah uh, yeah but I suppose some could figure out a way to be idle if they want you know they just That's right. And the, of course, in, in eleven, then he comes. Back, all of this kind of relates to each other. Work with your own hands. You know, of course, Paul. You know, he made his living, even though he spread the gospel. He made his living by doing what? Tent making. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, whenever he was growing up, and and until his ministry, when he was like thirty, what did he do to make his living? <laughs> that's right. That's not like a T-shirt, bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah it was like uh, made things out of wood or the stones or laying bricks. Matter of fact, there was a town really close to Nazareth. I can't remember the name of it, but it was um, a Gentilish city, uh, a very Roman, kind of like a 
provincial type city that they were building, Sakura or Sapora, I think it's Sapora, something like that. And it was within, you know, a, a, a pretty good walking distance. And it could be very well that Jesus went there and did his work there. Even his dad, who was a carpenter, you know, Nazareth, how many houses are you going to build there? Uh, of course, they built with rocks and stone most of the time. I guess you could say they're kind of a brickish type thing, whatever. But uh, they didn't have a lot of wood in that area, actually. So you don't see wood uh, even today. It's so when you see carpenter, you know, and it, you know he could have could have made things, and, and they did have some wood. But it's dealing with uh, you know making these homes. That, so they had this city going up. There would have been a lot of work available there as this city was. Uh, uh, being built. Uh, so, even Jesus' work. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But you won't see a Sephora on your maps there. Um, and I'm not so sure if it it was still around by the time you have like um, the time of Paul and such. It's it's not mentioned in Scripture, but uh, before before um, Christ's ministry, we see something of that. I don't know whether there was whether the city got blown away or I don't know. I, I need to do some more cultural history on that. I know Zola Levitt had talked about that area. Well, it, it's on Sephora. there. Yeah. S e p p h o r i s. Is it real close to uh, Nazareth? Is is that the one, or is it a quite a distance? Territory of Tyre and Sidon, or is that a different? Well, that could be. You're out of the gospel. I don't know if I'm in in the okay. different. Okay. Now let's see. Nazareth would be. There's Galilee. Oh, there's Sapporos right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. There's yeah. Galilee. Yeah. That would be it. It, it is on there. Okay, good. That that's that's in the Galilee area, Upper Israel. The Decapolis. That's ten cities, right? Ten cities. Like so maybe it's a part of that. Yeah. That was one. That was a growing one. Like I said, I don't know a whole lot about. It. Thank you, Bob. That kind of kind of backed hey, up. It sounded like I was making something up there. <laughs> um, Oh, back to our Second Thessalonians 3.11. I don't think I read verse 11. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. And then, uh, Bob, you had read verse 12 there in quiet fashion and bread and that kind of thing. So, um, we see it right there, what they were doing. Some among you are. You're undisciplined. You're not even doing any work at all. You know. So, it really has to hit on that. And so... The, the free Greeks believed that manual labor belonged to the slaves. Free Greeks have slaves. Slaves do the work. And here he's saying do your own work with your own hands and that kind of thing. And then he's also like saying, especially to the slaves, you know, he still has command to them to, to work. You're really working for the Lord anyway. And that's good for anybody to realize whenever your job really gets to be too much, you know, just think, hmm, I'm actually working for the Lord ultimately. So do the work hardly. That's a great scripture. Free men should never stoop to do manual labor is the way that they thought about it. So there could have been some free men amongst there, but most of the Christians were slaves probably. Um, but they were exhorted to, to keep at it. Uh, of course, they're saying, we don't need to work. Because Christ's coming back. <laughs> you know that had to be said. And so, um, we're not going to do the work anymore. We've had enough of these bosses here, these free men. We're just going to go back out there and we're going to wait for the Lord Jesus to come. So we finish up, get verse 12. Work with your hands just as we commanded you. So he had said that before, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. There's a purpose of it all, isn't it? That as they live in society, we are not. We are in the world. We are not of the world. We are there to be seen by the pagans, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, and as we would be setting a 
a good witness for people to realize whether we say anything or not. They see our lifestyles. and The Lord wants to do that. He wants us to be light, right? Salt and light. So that you'll behave properly. Behave is the idea of um, walking. Daily conduct. So a lot of times when we see the word walk, it's it's behavior. It's it's acting this out. Christian believes and he speaks, but then he also lives it. It's never just a scholarly idea in Christianity. It's putting uh, J. Vernon McGee put him into shoe leather. Ah, did I say that one right? Yes, yeah, sure yeah. Bingo. So that's 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 it. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Um, and uh, and I can attest, uh, one person anyway, that idleness really is bad for you. I mean, it's it's bad physically, mentally, spiritually. We need to work. We really have to be doing something productive and creative, and you know, mm-hmm. using our abilities to to just have a a sense of well being and, and you know, know to the, be at peace with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like idleness you know, the time I mean it, it's just this whole retirement thing is like or you know, myth. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, well I got five more years. Unless you have a plan and you've got resources built up for, toward that plan to work it, and, and in a way you're still working at something. Yeah, you know, you're you're going to be doing all these things in your retirement if it's a leisurely retirement, but it's you're still doing. You know, I'm still doing the same things I'm doing. I'm just doing them a whole lot slower, so it takes me just all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah same here. There's all my time. Well, your plans don't always go the way you think they're going to go. Either. Yeah, yeah. And but uh, but the but the whole point is, uh, you know, consider the end. <laughs> you know, sluggard. You know? <laughs> That's it's right. Like, you <laughs> I mean, you want to be called a. A sluggard, or do you want? Would you rather be a worker ant? You know, that, that's a good and faithful servant. Yeah, a good and faithful servant. You know. So it's and being able to do with what God has given just, us as long as we can. Just, you know, there's just uh, an idle, idle. What is it? Idle. They say idle hands with the devil's playground, or idle hmm. mind. Or, yeah. A good word? point. It's just yeah. <laughs> Truism. Yeah. I think a Johnny. And even though Johnny was retired, he was always doing yeah. something. He, you know, the lawnmowers and those kind of things because, you know, he was, you know, what, and my goodness, you know, well, then, he was. He got to work on what he wanted to work on instead of what he had to work on, you know, which is a lot that's enjoyment. So I think yeah. Johnny enjoyed. Like just doing, fixing things, didn't he? Yeah, he's just tearing stuff apart is what he's doing. <laughs> I can do that. I just can't put that together. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear you on that one. Now, how'd that go? Yeah, I remember when we did that other piano and, and I took that apart. I was the one who did that. Nobody, I, I think you guys were yeah. kind of helping. But I was trying to remember how to put it back together that day we were doing it. Yeah. And I had screws here and there, and I think I tried to keep them. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it got put back. Yeah. I just went up there today and saw it. The piano looks great on their sales floor. They got it up there 400 bucks. 400? Yeah. That's not bad. How much did we pay for <laughs> Originally. Three. Is that right? Okay, there you I go. It was three, wasn't it, Dad? For that. I don't know. And then this, this one. This one was five. Hey, not bad at all. That's a good upgrade. Well, anyway, so that you'll behave properly toward outsiders, the unbelievers, and not be in any need. That you would be meeting the needs that you have. And uh, this is just about as basic shoe leather type stuff that it is. Everybody knows it, but it's like good reminders. And I'm not saying anybody here is a a sluggard because uh, obviously you guys are uh, quite the opposite, I'd say, from what I would say. And so at any rate, it's like saying, but excel still more, right? 
This is to remind you. I don't. There's no need for me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you what Paul says. Anyway, I think this is a great lead-in to to the next section now, which takes us to the the rapture part, which is a golden passage. You know that when people think about Christ's return, and you can see how this all set this up. That's that was the heart of this, and why he said that, and why they were doing what they were doing. Some of them, why they need to be encouraged. Anyway. Great. Thank you, guys. Getting around the Word of God with God's people is certainly uh, and very encouraging. Definitely need that. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Bob, would you want to lead us there? Thank you, Father, for today and for this uh, time of togetherness in Your Word and with Your Spirit. And we just uh, pray that the words of the Scripture will mean something to each one of us and help us in our daily walk with you and that we will be able to uh, contemplate these things to the point of we'll be able to rest better at night and work hard during the day uh, not just for the sake of working hard but being productive uh, keeping our minds uh, active and vital and you know also Lord just uh, help us by being uh, helping us to be mindful of all the things we need to remember to pray about um, and right there that that's a reminder to me Lord of uh, you know part of my job is to, to always be praying and interceding as Christ is interceding for us and so may we all pray for each other more Continue to uh, love each other, provide uh, support to one another, and uh, just engage in, in one another in one another's lives as as the need uh, appears, and uh, and then just be church together and, and do life together. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.